you know, recession, I mean, it's just another word for reset. So when times get hard, it just means that you have to sit down, buckle down, elevate who you are as an individual, educate yourself. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. It's uh, good to be with you during this uh, crazy time, uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, you know, it's a lot of craziness. A lot of people are panicking. Uh, but uh, I, have a, I have a guest on that has had a lot of ups and downs in his own life, understands how to make the most out of every situation. Larice Purnell, a friend of mine from all the way up in Cleveland. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, as many of you know. Larice, <laughs> how you doing, brother? What's going on, Rob? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on today, man. How are you? Hey, man. Blessed, man. I'm here at my home office. <laughs> it, uh feel good about it and had to adjust it. I usually have my studio, but we're all trying to be safe during this, uh, during this time. But while we're being safe, we don't want to we don't want to panic. I think we want to be pragmatic, but not panic. Right. And um, and so I know you're a man of faith and you're a man of uh, a principle and you're a man of action, too. And it's something I respect about you. And so um, for those who don't know, uh, Larice Purnell is a serial entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur. He uh, CLE Consulting. Is that the name of the company? Correct. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Uh, Black Black Fox Finn. Is that the right? Am I saying it right? Black Box Fix, yeah. Black, Black Fox Fix, excuse me. That's right. uh, a restaurant. That's right. There are several others. I think you have some real estate developments going on. Um, but you came from the beginning. Look, you were um, part of your childhood was finding odd jobs, mowing lines. Uh, you you were you were homeless at one point in your in your uh, in your childhood. So it's not like you're a person that came from means. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. But it's not yeah, like you're a person absolutely. that came from means or even came from the middle class. You have literally embraced struggle. And you've seen worse environments than what's going on now. So I, I, I really wanted uh, to, ha I wanted to have you on anyway, because I think you have an incredible story and, and I want people to hear, understand your story and then understand how um, people can proceed in this moment and what you're doing, how you're planning with this business in this moment uh, to not let it uh, defeat you, but figure out how to move forward in the midst of it. So uh, just wanted to really just have a conversation because people need to hear and be motivated, you know, Larice, uh, our job on Disruption Now is about disrupting common narratives and constructs, particularly surrounding black folks. And uh, one of the trends and one of the constructs and one of the patterns that I want to disrupt and I know you're passionate about is uh, black wealth creation and really changing the narrative and changing the trajectory on where we're going. Um, I'm sure you know that black wealth is projected to go to median, median black wealth. It's projected to go to zero by 2053. Uh, but I'm not accepting that. And I want to figure out uh, how we can change that. And we change it by understanding how people have uh, created wealth for themselves and connecting more opportunities for our community to do so. So that's really the goal here. And I just really want to get back to it. Uh, I want to get to it. But before we get to the coronavirus and things like that, I want, I want people to know more about you. I want you to take yourself back to whatever that was when you were going through a lot of struggle as a kid, I don't know if it was 12, 11, 13, whenever that may be. And thinking about where you were at that time, not what you know now, but what you knew then, what would you tell your younger self based upon the knowledge you have now? Um, man, that's a great, I, I didn't even, through all this, I had not even considered you know, my upbringing at this time and, and how it's impacting me and how it's allowing me to get through times like this until you just said it just now. And, you know, sometimes when it's who you are and, and, and how you were raised, it just is just the person that you become. Um, it's it's what you've been built from. And so it's just naturally just what you do. But what I would say um, to answer your question, Rob, um, if I look back and, and I think about times growing up, um, you know, living in homeless shelters, having to avoid, you know, um, just different situations. I, I, I actually rode past, you know, one of the shelters we stayed in just a few days ago. And, 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 and because I watched a movie, Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, if you remember that. 
Um, and I thought about I you, and, and I thought about that. And I said, I remember when him and his son locked themselves in the bathroom um, because they had nowhere to go and they got locked out the shelter. And I remember that it happening to me and my mother and my siblings. Um, we literally went to the shelter. We missed the deadline, couldn't get in. And it was right next to a Wendy's restaurant. So this may have been nine o'clock or so, um, you know, in the evening, Wendy's didn't close to a later time, obviously, because we went in there and I just remember my mother not knowing what to do. Um, because she didn't know where we were going to go that night and remembering, yeah, we didn't spend a night in the bathroom that night, but it was a night that I'll never forget for the rest of my life because she, I just remember her crying, just not knowing who to call. We didn't have any finances. Uh, we didn't even have money to catch the bus to go somewhere. And I remember, you know, a lot of people you talk to, Rob, when you talk to youth, they can't remember certain times in their life beyond a certain point. So when they, when you're talking about somebody five, six years old, it, it, they really struggle to remember times like that. And I remember, I don't know, for whatever reason, God allows me to remember exactly what happened, where they happened, when they happened, what street they happened on. And I would say, you know, times like that, if I were to, you know, based on what I know now, what I would say is those times were necessary. And I would never change anything about, yeah, were they hurtful? Were they overwhelming as a child? Were, they, were there a lot of uncertainties as a child, not knowing where we were going to go, what family member we were going to stay with, actually what place we were going to live in? We went to the Virgin Islands and lived there for some years, came back here, you know, would stay with grandparents, aunts, uncles. So I would say is I would embrace that because it really, truly, I think, made me who I am today. Um, and it's taught me to always just live a humble life, no matter what God provides to you, to always remember that there's somebody who has a struggle, somebody who doesn't have access somebody does, who doesn't have resources that needs to make sure that people like us, I've always reached back and, and, and be a blessing in some way. So I, I would just say, I wouldn't change anything. Um, I would say just learn from it. Um, I, I would have, I don't think I would have done anything different, Rob, because, you know, I just said it, I was doing an interview um, early this week and I said, my mother used to serve and go and serve people while we were in a shelter. And when I look wow. back at that, Rob. So you, you, you guys are in the midst of struggling and she still finds the capacity and the grace enough to help others though she's struggling herself. It, it, so when you, again, so when you asked me that question that you asked initially, it's like, I wouldn't change that because. But what would you I'll tell yourself I, though? Here, here's what I'm saying, Larry. So you're, okay. think, think of it, think of it this way, right? Your life makes sense looking backwards Yes. The struggles that we went through have shaped who we are. Uh, I have a story uh, about being shaped, too, and you, you've heard it already. Um, and you know about it. Teachers telling me that I would never achieve and just because I was in learning disability classes and I struggled in school, but I had a lot of success despite them trying to define me. I know that's made me a better person now. I know uh, that's helped kind of motivate me to be always that underdog and to, to, to never really accept the circumstances that others say are in front of me. Uh, but going through it is hard sometimes. Like it's 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 one thing to say you embrace struggle when you're going through it, particularly uh, if you don't understand it as a kid. Or this might be relating to right now with this coronavirus. This week, uh, from my understanding, there are more people that filed uh, that that filed for unemployment that lost their job than ever in history, according to the stats right now. So we have a lot of people through no fault of their own who are in a situation where they could be just like. You are, they could be either homeless or not knowing how to make ends meet within the, within a matter of months or weeks in a really short distance of time. So you've been through that time and you've, I'm sure there's been a point where it, it, it seemed dark. It seemed like uh, things weren't going well. What words of encouragement or advice would you offer yourself at that point? Because somebody could use that advice right now. Does that question make sense? Mar margins is you... I just said that this morning um, to a group on the phone. It's one thing to look good and not be good. And I think that's what we're dealing with in our communities. Um, nobody has margin. It should not 
you know, I know we say we're not going to really get into Corona yet. No, we should get to it now. Okay. It should not take seven to 10 days to be broke. So Corona is not the issue. Um, if we really want to talk about facts, if right now, as you're sitting in your home and, and, and you have time to evaluate and look around at the things you possess, how is your closet more valuable than your bank account? So you can't call GE, you can't call Nissan, you can't call Range Rover and say, come get this $5,000 Gucci bag that I have and let that pay my note for the next six months. So I would say the words of encouragement that I would give people is, you, you, we possess right now a very powerful tool in our hand and it's called our phone. Why are you not Googling about your money? Why are you not creating margins? Why are you um, not looking at where your money goes and controlling your money? Um, and I would tell you is, don't think because you go through a bad situation that you can't reset. Because I said it earlier this week, you know, recession uh, means it's just another word for reset. So when times get hard, it just means that you have to sit down, buckle down, elevate who you are as an individual, educate yourself and create margins and create habits that you haven't traditionally, you know, done in the past. So I think this is going to make a lot of people realize that maybe not have went through what me and you went through, Rob. Um, it's going to make people sit down and really self-evaluate where they are. It's going to make them see that they don't have life insurance. It's going to make them see that they don't even own a savings account. It's going to make them get sick and tired of going to check cash in places to cash their check because they don't even have a bank account. Right. So it, it's going to it's going to really make it's going to challenge a lot of people to really evaluate themselves because when it's only you and the mirror, you're only looking at yourself because a lot of people are isolated. So they can't hang out with a bad crowd that really doesn't add any value or doesn't add to their net worth. They, they can't go to the clubs that make them feel important because they're wearing a thousand dollar outfit and they're buying a section and all that sort of stuff. They can't go to the movies and, and go on all these dates and all that to really, I would say, cover what they're really going through and what right. they lack financially and in, in a lot of other areas of their life. So that's what I would say is, Use times like this to make yourself and position yourself not to have to deal with times like this again. So what are some institutions? So you, you mentioned so many things there. Um, I want to break down a few of them. Uh, let's talk about habits, building good habits. You, 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 the situation you came from, you came from a long distance. And this is why I consider you very, very successful because you obviously had success by any measure of the term. But I measure success. I forgot. I think it might who said this. It might have been Booker T. Washington. But you measure success not by far not not by how far a person has come, but the obstacles that uh, that they had to overcome to get to where they get to get to where they are. So you've overcome a lot. One of the hardest obstacles, and you mentioned it, is really uh, developing uh, good habits uh, because habits. We I've talked about this a lot on my show. Habits are things that become automatic. It becomes automatic. People make decisions about how they use their finances, not thinking, not being intentional. And not really even knowing because it's be I'm, this is not an excuse. This is just I'm just saying how things are. Habits and, and habits can become institutional and cultural in some way, right? So you get these habits that have been built in, some of which you mentioned, um, and you just start doing it, and you and you find yourself just automatically all of a sudden getting to a point where you're over leveraged or you're buying things that are not important in order to impress people that don't matter to you anyway. Um, don't even, they don't even like you anyway. They don't even like you anyway. You try to impress people that don't even like you, and so why? I mean, but it, but it, that, that that is there is some human nature in that. Um, what are some good habits people can replace with bad habits? Because the science shows, Larissa, and you probably know this. The science shows that you actually can't get rid of a bad habit. You can only replace it with a good habit over time to get a to get a routine to replace those bad habits. So. Where does one start if you want? You're using this moment as a reset because now, like you said, you buy yourself uh, the, the things you used to be that you used to do, your routine, some of which may have been destructive, have now been disrupted. Where would you tell people to start in terms of getting good financial habits in place? So one, um, you're going to I just did a video on, on my social media saying that. To, to, in order to change habits, because you're right, we're talking about genera um, gener 
generational curses that are taking place. Some of this stuff didn't happen. Your grandmother, your grandmother's grandmother did it. You watch your mother do it and you watch your sister do it. So it's just something that you kind of took on. That's with the family. The, the saying is, ain't nobody got no money. So that, that, that's been embedded in your head. Everybody's broke. You know, don't nobody have no money to do nothing special. Nobody has no money to travel. So I would say first is it's going to take patience um, and it's going to take discipline. And, and I know that's easier said than done when you're broke and you're dealing with real life issues, but you got to start somewhere. And, and the reality is, you know, I said, you know, to the cross I said, Hey, you know, you did not get in this situation overnight. So you're not going to get out of it overnight. So, so, so again, we're going to have to practice those principles. And then I'm I would say is like anything else, we Google what they say on average, the average American or person looks at their phone 742 times a day. And you may think, wow, that's a crazy number. Who does that? Think about how many times people look at Facebook, then they go to Twitter, then they go to Instagram, then they go to Snapchat, then now they go to TikTok, then they go to their email, then they go to their phone, then they go to the voicemail, then they go to this and that and this and that. So how do you stay on a phone that's this powerful, um, you know, and you don't Google something about finance? How do you go say that I'm going to set a date night with my spouse and I'm going to stick to it every week, but you never have a money date night? So you have to do things and employ things out of the box to get you out of a situation that did not happen overnight. So it's, you know, I could give you resources and list them, but if you don't discipline yourself to take the time and say, I'm going to dedicate two hours on Saturday to go through my bills to list out what my debt is, to actually know what my net worth is. Because um, everything I'm saying is, right. people, I mean, I have people tag me saying, Reese, I don't understand that stuff. But you figure out how to get to another part of the world to go on a vacation and find a hotel in some street you will never go down every day, yep. but you can't figure out how to open a savings account. Yep. I, I, that's hard for me to believe, right? Yeah. Hey, hey, if you can afford, if you, can, if you can afford nice cars, you can afford... Uh, nice clothes. You can you can you can clearly afford to invest in yourself. So uh, I know one of the one of the principles that I live by is to invest in yourself first and just make it automatic, so you don't see it. You don't even get into the habit of getting used to that money being there. Because the issue is for a lot of people, myself included, is if you see the money, you think that's money available versus having it having something where it's automatic. And there are lots of apps out there. I don't know which ones you recommend, Acorn, whatever you want to say. Like there are things that can be done, apps that can that you can use, but you have to first decide that, okay, this is the one thing we want to do. So you sound like having one day a week that you set aside just to focus on your finances, right? That's right. That's right. And then, and, 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 and let's talk real. When you go into a financial institution, there's three offices. You have your banker, usually your branch manager, you have your mortgage broker in there, and then you have your investment banker. So this is something that you have access to. So while you're standing in line, going to cash your check, take cash out, you can stay in the same line, right in the same building that you're in and sit down with that investment advisor, set goals for yourself. You know, again, you know, the big thing is hashtag goals. Everybody puts that on social media, hashtag gold. But when I asked him, I said, what is your goal? I said, then, I, then I'm in a room full of people. I said, who in this room wants to retire? Everybody raises their hand. Then I ask the question, how much will it take you to retire? So if you don't know what that number is, how are you going to retire? Because who, so it's going to, it's going to be an automatic because less than 3% of people in our community are going to be ready for retirement because nobody knows how to answer the question. Tell me the figure right now. What is it going to cost you to live the lifestyle you live now or live a better lifestyle when you retire? Why work somewhere 35 years, Rob? Why work 35 years to have to downsize after giving your life to a company? Uh, that's a good question. It's a good question. So you've been an entrepreneur nearly all your life and you have several yes. businesses that we, that we, that we referenced in the midst of this coronavirus, um, where have you seen opportunity? Uh, I know you have a restaurant business and restaurants have been severely impacted. So I'd like to start there. I don't know. I don't know if the tax, if the tax, if the tax company has been impacted at all. Uh, yes. But, but I imagine it could be. Talk about how you viewed this and where you see opportunities for particularly black and brown entrepreneurs who, you know, even those that are out there hustling, you know, it's, 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 it's still hard. 
And, um, yes. and we've had to make, but, but, but the, as you, as you talked about earlier, uh, being black, being a black, being a black and brown entrepreneur means that you don't often have a linear path or one that's set out for you. So, uh, you've had to learn to embrace struggle and to innovate. So that's, this is not a new concept. How are you going about uh, dealing with this whole, with the whole coronavirus and the impact that, you know, you could not have predicted? So you, yeah, you got me here writing. I'm taking notes, man. You got my mind running now. That's good. Uh, so, so, so great questions, man. Um, and, and I would say one, my tax business has been impacted because, you know, they pushed the tax deadline sure, to July. July now. So, so we literally, as soon as they announced that we had 11 cancellations, probably in an hour period of time. Oh, so yeah. my ver- I, and because you said, you know, being innovative, I created, I had created technologies prior to this happening that allowed me things like Zoom meetings and different things to allow me to be able to do virtual tax meetings. But that's irrelevant when people feel like they have time now. So, yeah. so that has yeah. truly impacted. Um, so, so what we have to do now is get innovative. So what we're doing is we're going to put out something that says, hey, come to us. Everybody needs money right now. They need immediate money. So what we're going to do is give a $50 um, gift card, you know, a Visa gift card if you come and do your taxes. Because at the end of the day, people need cash right now. So they may think that, hey, well, you know, um, one, they need a refund. Two, it's like, hey, 50 bucks is 50 bucks if I'm out of work right now, but I still have to do my taxes. So again, I would challenge everybody and um, then that's just the tax business, but the restaurant business, um, great question. We were on the phone for two hours last night with about seven of our clients that are all restaurants. I told them, if you, like we talked about early in this conversation, a lot of them have created margin. This is a lesson for everybody to reset their financial um, landscape and create margin in their lives. Because these businesses have- What do you listened, mean by creating margin? I know what you mean, but- to bring Okay, it down yeah, I'm glad. Good, good question. Um, so margin means that you have more money than you have bills, to simplify it. So yeah. if you make $1,000, you don't owe $1,000 to, to monthly in bills. You, you may have $700, so then now you have $300 for yourself. And that's considered the margin you know, that you can save, that you can invest, that you can have for yourself and put away for a rainy day, emergency funds, and all that sort of stuff. But so these businesses have, have used good financial principles. They've saved money. They have some margin. They have lines of credit. They have good financials. They're updated on their taxes. So, so what, 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 what has taken place now is, you said restaurants have been impacted, Rob. And that's not going to be locally. It's going to be nationally. Correct. You will have thousands of restaurants that will not come back from this. Yep. I don't it's, care a, it's, it's already a tough business. Yeah, it's a tough, you're right. The margins are already low. Yep. So, but, but what that has done is it's created an opportunity. And when I say that is you're going to have restaurants close their doors and walk away from brand new kitchen equipment because they owe the landlord money for the rent. So what that's going to do is it's already been newly renovated. It has a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment in it has everything as a turnkey that it could be open as long as you put food and staff in it. So now these entrepreneurs who have created margin now have the pick of of the city to say, I'm going to expand my business to Lakewood. I'm going to expand my business to Avon. I'm going to expand to Medina to areas that they traditionally have not had the opportunity from a cost perspective. So now they not only can acquire restaurants that are ready, ready to go, so, so now they're opening and expanding their business at little to no cost. Then it creates an opportunity that they can buy facilities because just like homes will foreclose, people will foreclose on commercial properties. So now they will have the ability to not own, and you know we talk about this, Rob, right. build assets, things that appreciate. They will be able to acquire this these facilities at very low cost to build assets within our communities and become owners and not renters. So it's so much to it. And then the negotiation power that they're going to have is going to be amazing, man, because if you have vacancies all over the city of Cleveland and all over Northeastern Ohio, they have, they can negotiate the best deals for restaurants and everything they need. So, and this is not just for restaurants. This is for gyms. This is for car washes. This is for barbershops. I mean, the list goes on. 
based on what I'm hearing people talk about right now. Yeah, it does seem like there's going to be significant disruption in the in the commercial real estate market, and there'll be opportunities uh, to own things at lower prices. I, I do believe that's true. And, and there might be some, you know, we just the, literally the podcast before this, I had a financial advisor on and we were just kind of going over the trends in the market. And, and he felt that um, looking at where commercial real estate is going, that's going to be definitely some opportunities, but it's going to go, it's going to be hit. You know, there are some big firms that don't, they're either going to renegotiate their price that you said, big, big accounting firms, the big, big accounting firms, big law firms, what they are seeing from this uh, coronavirus pandemic is that where people are moved to go home, they're they're being even more productive. So a lot of people are saying, why am I going to pay this large bill? <laughs> like to that. That's a great point. Yeah. That, so there's that, also opportunities that, that's a great point. there, right? There's opportunities. Yes. To, what can you, what can you offer virtually? You already do this with tax, with, with your tax business, but if you have knowledge in something, um, figure out a way to expand your audience and go out and reach them. Like there are ways to use technology. Uh, Zoom, what we use now, that stock is going through the roof. Makes sense. People are now going to move towards, uh, I won't get too deep into this, augmented reality, stuff like that. We know the trends were already moving towards remote. Uh, so start thinking about the trends. And uh, I, I'm actually a big gym fanatic. And I knew, I saw the trend coming that <laughs> gyms are going to be shut down for some, for some period of time because obviously that's a place where germs can just live. So I had to go out. And, I spent a lot on home gyms, but guess what? Somebody, a, a Peloton, the home, the home bike gym has gone through the roof too. Thinking about how people think in the midst of this can also just keeping a clear head about where the trends are because, you know, that's what one has to do if you're looking for opportunities. But you're, and you're an entrepreneur and so um, you've done this all your life. What do you think is the most important skill set for one to be an entrepreneur? Like, what do you think if you had to say the most important skill set or asset that you have, what's the most important and why? I, I would say... Um... That's a great question. I would say work ethic, um, because the time like this is really going to, because you have some people that have knowledge, but are not willing to work hard. Right. Um, they're very intelligent, but they won't roll their sleeves up. So th they'll easily go away. But the person who is willing to work hard, roll their sleeves up and be a, a learner um, and willing to be a student every day uh, for the rest of their lives. Um, I think they'll be very successful because it's a time like this where I got to be on the phone at one o'clock this morning, right. you know, talking about, okay, what are we going to do with the restaurants this week? How are we going to make sure the employees are good? How are we going to make sure precautions are in place? Uh, how are we going to get inventory if this company's out of inventory? So we're, how far will we have to drive? How is that going to impact our margins? Some people aren't willing to put that work in. So I stayed up from one to five o'clock in the morning, just strategizing how that's going to happen and had to jump on my first call at seven o'clock. Well, that takes somebody who has work ethic that's willing to work hard and yeah. roll up their sleeves and get in there because it's bigger than you. See, that work, I don't work hard just for myself. I work hard knowing that other people's lives depend on what I do. So, so I would say as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, like you have to possess that first. Um, of course, you need the skills. We can jump into skills. I mean, you should be in, a, in an accounting field if you're not an accountant. You certainly have to have some competency. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to have. Which yeah, also that. is about work ethic, right? I, I, yes. I tell folks like um, you can, by the way, have more. You can be efficient. I said you can't be efficient until you're proficient, though, right? You got to. Right. <laughs> you got to. You have That's to. Good. You got to. You got to know something. So in order That's to right. know something, you have to do some work. And That's so, right. you know, I, I can do things that that. And I still take a lot of time and work, but I can do things that others, it, it would take them three or four or five hours, but that's not because I'm, I don't think I'm more naturally gifted. It's because I spent years honing my craft and understanding right. things. And then I got to the point where you could do more in a more efficient time. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, work ethic is, the, is like the foundation. I, you know, I tell my kids all the time when, when they're going through and learning whatever it is, math or something, for example. And they try to learn algebra. I said, well, you haven't learned to do fractions. That's why you can't do this. So like you can do, if the foundation is not, yeah. it just doesn't matter. Like you can That's have a right. beautiful building your foundation sucks. The building's crumbling. So like Crumble. it's, com it's coming right. to the floor. Um, but another part I like to get through is I think that's very important. I agree. Hard, hard work is, is the foundation. What I found to be the struggle for some folks is the, the people that have the ability to hard. I think there are a lot of hard workers too. I think what gets tough for people is going through the obstacles. And, and, and so 
I'd, I'd like to talk about a, a time you maybe had in your life through your entrepreneurship, or it could be personally, where yeah. you failed, and then now that failure, you can call it failure, you can call it setback. Some people don't yeah. like to call it, call it failure. I don't mind calling it failure, because I don't think failures are anything permanent unless you let them be. But think about a time where you had, where you, where you failed, I think people need people need that right now in this moment. People are might have set up their business without without seeing this because uh, uh, setting up a business is an act of faith too, right? That's right, absolutely. <laughs> the stuff says things hope for the evidence of things not seen. Literally, you are setting up a business hoping that things will work out based upon nothing, <laughs> based upon your right. own belief in yourself and the future. Right now, uh, the present. I won't say the future looks uncertain, but the present looks like a tornado right now. And so someone might have done all the right steps, did everything they can, and they're going up against a block. Talk about your block that you might have had in your moment and how that's helped you had even a better, have even better results now or have a future set up. So I, I, I'll tell you two things. Um, I failed at, a, I tried a business when I was 24, 25. I invested in real estate and uh, with a development company. I was a developer in, in the northwestern part of Ohio. Um, I was out there going to school, started my career out there in the Toledo market. And, you know, I, a, a person I went to church with, you know, was a developer, got me involved. Um, and, you know, uh, then the market turned and I invested everything I had into it. Uh, you know, and I personally guaranteed some things. And, you know, it was going to be a game changing project. We were, you know, um, doing a development project where houses at that time were more expensive than the houses I lived in. Um, so it was an opportunity of a lifetime, I felt. But where, where I learned a lesson, there's two I'm going to share with you. That's the first one. But I learned that never get in something that you're not passionate about just to make a paycheck. That's one thing I learned. And two, if you don't have all the details and all the data, don't do it because because you're not doing making data driven decisions. Now you're making it from the heart and the heart doesn't work at a business table. The heart doesn't work when you got to tell the bank that I can't afford to pay you. So that was another thing. Then I, I, I fast forward about 10 years. I invested with a friend in the restaurant industry. He had this big vision. Um, and really didn't plan it out, but because I'm one, I'm very loyal to people. If you're my group, I'm loyal yeah, to you. I'm the same way. And I want to support. Yeah, and I want to support people. I want people to be successful. They believe in it. So, he, good friend of mine has talked me, and he's like, "Hey, Larice, I'm doing this. I'm passionate. I'm leaving my job. I'm gonna get this done." Right. And he he didn't have a full plan, so the business got up and going and lasted probably about eight months. And I dumped probably close to six figures into the business. And, and never saw my money again as a business. And what they call it, grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and what happened was because I didn't challenge him to get a business plan. Yeah. And again, because he didn't have the structure in place to allow for times like, you know, difficulties and barriers, you know, not being able to get client customers as quick as he wanted to. We hadn't planned for that. So those were, you know, lessons learned. Again, getting in industries that you don't understand. Now nah, I'll be, you know, when it comes to black box fix, even though I don't cook well, I know the business inside and out. I know what it costs to make a sandwich. I know to the penny, you know, I can tell you what every product on my menu costs to make. Um, I can tell you, you know, my prime costs from down from your labor to your food costs. You know, like I can break the business down in my sleep. So I'm able, if somebody calls me at the last minute and say, hey, you need to make a decision or make an adjustment, I'm able to make it and know how it's going to impact me financially. And that's probably the most valuable thing. And the last thing I'll say to that is, Will, is pay people and let them do what they do well. So a lot of time, we don't want to create partners. And Rob, I know you know this from a business perspective. We want to be the marketer. We want to be the HR department. We want to be the payroll company. We want to be the accountant. We want to be the, the actual entrepreneur. We want to wear 20 hats at one time and don't realize it goes back to that foundation. You don't have it, then there's no stability and it will crumble. you got to pay people that do what they do. People get paid to solve problems and you got to employ that within your business and let people do what they do to protect you from yourself. 
Um, and, and I'll say that's something that I stay with now. And, and I always advise my clients as well. Well, yeah, because look, um, if you if, if, if you if you try to do everything, even if you're pretty good at everything, you have no time to grow the business. You're always That's in the right. weeds. That's right. And you have no you have no time to go out there and build the relationships to get more clients to build the business because you're always trying to do everything. And you if you try to if you, you can do you could do anything, but you can't do everything and <laughs> try That's to right. do everything. will make sure you do nothing. Essentially, I also took a, I took a, a few a few uh, points away from. Uh, some of your stories, the one about uh, the business deal that you did with both your uh, friend at church and your friend for the restaurant. We had uh, Robert Greene. Have you read any of Robert Greene's books about the 48 Laws of Power? Anyways, he's, he's great. He's a great author. I'm going to make and, sure I uh, read. Yeah. He had, and the Laws of Human Nature. He came out with some great books. They're long, but listen to audio if you can. But he's been on the show before. He's a New York Times selling best author. But one of his rules for the 48 Laws of Power is, you know, save friends for friendship. But work with the skilled and competent doesn't mean doesn't mean you can't work with your friends and family, but I think you have to be at a higher alert because you're 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 likely going to have your your awareness down because it's your friend, it's your family, and you want to do and help out your family. You know, just look, you help out your family. I think Kobe said this: you help out your family. Let's just give them money, then, <laughs> right? Give them money, right. or right. or and and, and or, you know, and don't expect that back, or. Better yet, do the LeBron model to say, listen, we can make money together. You get a skill set, you get a, and then we can help build something to actually help us all make money. But if you just, you didn't do this, but this, this, this happens when a lot of us get means because there are not enough of us still that, uh, that, are, that have enough wealth that oftentimes when you have some wealth, and we're not talking about super rich, but if you make six figures, you have to, under, you have to put that in context. That's better than 95% of the population, period. Not, not the black population. The population yeah. period. If you add that on to uh, black, uh, you know, black and brown communities, you're probably in the top two percent of folks. So, um, you know, a lot of times your family sees you as the one to to rescue, right? And you and you help you, them. You're you the Moses. Yeah, you're right. You can't you can't do that. First, you got to put on your own oxygen mask. Then you got to uh, if the plane's going down, you got to put the oxygen mask on first. Then you hand it out to your children because y'all both die. It doesn't do any good. So, like, <laughs> we have. Yeah, to, that's right. Right. Teach good habits. If you go back to like, we can do this. You work with your friends and family. You still got to bring it. You still got to be confident. I expect not less, but more out of you. So I think we got to be harder on our family and friends in the sense, not that we don't give them opportunities, but if we're going to give them opportunities, they need to really be about their business times too, because we, we don't, we don't have enough wealth to just be throwing out yet. We still got to build more wealth between us. So that's something I took from it. And the second thing I took from from your story is that, from your stories, I should say, is that we talked about the most important skill set with an entrepreneur. You said hard work. I'd say it's cousin, which is related to hard work, is perseverance and understanding that like this process is not going to be linear. It's it's going to go backwards, this way, that way, up, down. You, you've talked about how much yeah, money you lost. The average person would have just said, this, this is what I think makes a difference. The average person would have just said, I need to just do something safe. Like I've taken these risks. It's killed me. I've lost X amount of money. I can't do this again. And people become so, I, I, I think, uh, cautious. They overlearn the lesson to think that, okay, I don't, I shouldn't just take any chances. That's not the lesson. You learn the lesson, but don't overlearn a lesson. You overlearn a failure, you, you get fear, and then it'll hold you back. And I think people do that, and it prevents them from really reaching their highest potential. So I applaud you for not allowing uh, the, the setbacks to define your future path, because I think that's one of the things that really sets entrepreneurs apart. If that makes sense. Man. Oh, no, that was, that's, that's good. I, I like what you said on overlearn a lesson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or a failure. Yes. Uh, so, so that, that's, that's good stuff, man. No, I appreciate that. So the, you know, you're in the financial literacy and, and uh, I am too, and I haven't always been, but I've, uh, it's really important. And I don't spend enough time on it, but I'm, I, I do more and more now because I understand how important it is. And I think that we've honestly got it wrong in terms of what we value. We talk about not only getting a college degree, that's important, but I think financial literacy is more important than a college degree. If you have no financial literacy and you have four, three degrees, it's not going to matter. <laughs> right? right. So, I mean, like, it's um, how do you think beyond getting the one day a week? You talked about any other general advice for someone who's saying, look, I want to change. I want to do this. I got time on my hands. 
Now, now you do. What would you tell them right now in, in the midst of this craziness that we're going through with the coronavirus? Where would you tell them to start if they were A, just looking at their money or B, let's say they want to be like, like, like uh, Larice Purnell and they want to start a business as an entrepreneur. People say, where do I start? Like, how did you get, how did you go out there? I hear that question all the time. What do you tell them? So, so uh, first I'm going to say bad personal finances make bad business finances. So until you have your personal finance uh, finances in order, don't start a business. You shouldn't be starting a business if you have bad credit. You shouldn't be starting a business if you don't have a savings account or an investment account because you don't have anything to fall back on. And what you've now done is when the business fails, not only do you fail from a business perspective, but you also fail from a personal perspective. Now you've jeopardized your entire family. So that, that would first be my advice. But the first thing that you're going to have to do from a simplistic perspective, most people, if I walk up to them and say, tell me how much your debt is, they can't answer that question. They're like, well, I know I got five credit cards. I think one is a thousand and I think another is 500, but I really don't know exactly what it is. You got to understand what you're dealing with first. You got to under, like they say, your portfolio, you got to understand exactly what your obligations are. You got to tell, you should be able to tell me which credit card has the highest interest rate. What are your interest rates on your car? What is your interest rate on your mortgage? So you first have to get a collective understanding of every piece of anything you pay for. Then next, you got to figure out where your money is going. Because you, you, uh, I know we're all guilty, and I'll throw this out to you, and, and I'll know by your reaction. We, we go to the ATM, we take $50 out, and by the end of the day when we get home, what do we always ask ourselves? Man, where did that $50 yeah, go? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so we're all, but that's because, so most people, Rob, that's their everyday life. You know, they get a paycheck. So their paycheck is the ATM. They get a paycheck and then they keep living paycheck to paycheck because they don't know where their last paycheck went. So until you understand where your money is going, it's hard for me to tell you to save. It's hard for me to tell you to invest. And so, you know, and, and the degrees don't impress me, Rob. You know, that, I don't care if lawyer, doctor, NFL player, because you know, they say millionaires have million dollar bills. So it's just, you know, you can ask on, Adrian Peterson who had a hundred million dollars in his in bankruptcy. That's 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 absolutely right. That's one so, of many it's not to pick on him, but there he's unfortunately more of the rule than the exception. Yeah, is you talking about oh, close to eighty percent of people that play professional ball, you know, leave and they're bankrupt. Yeah. And, and and so that's a whole nother situation. But but all but it's, that it's being going said back is, to your earlier point, and then I'll let you finish. It's about if you've developed bad habits, million dollar millionaires have million million dollar bills. Look, people will find ways to spend your money for you. <laughs> That's right. That's so. So how do you? So it goes back to what you said: financial literacy being important and, and more important than a college degree at times. Because if you got a guy who grew up in the projects and then he wakes up and he has millions of dollars in his account. And he has no financial literacy and he does not know how to manage his money. He doesn't know how to, you know, make sure he directed in the right places. You've done nothing for him. You, you have created actually a monster and he really finds out who he truly is. So yeah. it's like, it's no different than if, if me and you leave our kids a million dollar life insurance policy, but we never taught them financial literacy and what to do with that million dollars. Yeah. We actually just created a monster yeah. because now we gave a 19, we passed away today. I left the 18 year old a million dollars and think that they're going to do the right thing with it. That's impossible. Yeah. So, so with that being said is you want to, again, so do you have uh, conversations with your kids about financial literacy and walk us through how you have those conversations. Cause I want to hear from myself because I need to have okay. more. What, what do you tell so, you have kids? What do you tell them about? Yeah. How do you, how do you go through these examples? So one is the stuff that I read, they should read. Some of it may be a little more difficult, but the stuff that I watch, they watch. And what we do is we just did it, especially in a time like this. Shame on you if you're not, if you're listening to us and you have not sat down with your family and hit the reset button and educated everybody on every resource. How do you set a financial goal and your kids aren't unaware of it? Like a goal is not just for you, it's for the whole household. And us as men, we have to lead in every area of our household. So if I say, hey, guys, we're going to save $10,000 this year, that don't go just for me and my spouse, me and a dog. 
that goes for the kids as well because they'll be the ones and they'll be your distraction because when i'm in the mall and i have a goal and my daughter says dad i would like this i look at her and say hey how does that affect our goal hey that's good so that's if, good I'm gonna if, use you're, that. if you're the only one who knows the goal then who's going to hold you accountable yep so so with that being said is i just sat with them the other night we sat for four hours and we sat there three four hours and we went through the will we went through my healthcare power of attorney we went through the life insurance policy we went through the bank accounts we went through the investment accounts all which while i was doing that i was making sure that i had them as beneficiaries that i had the right documents updated that i made sure that you know we had conversations on hey guys if you had a million dollars a day what would you do with it just because i want to hear what they would say yeah. my daughter's like oh man dad i would I would buy this. I would buy that. I said, no, no, yeah, no. But I said, no. yeah, I want to buy Fortnite. But I said, okay. Yeah, look, look. I'm losing. <laughs> <laughs> look, he's going to have every game you yeah, can exactly. think of. Him and Don't make friend. Fortnite rich. <laughs> look, so, so what we have to do is give them instructions. You know, again, we, we have to tell them the steps to what we need to do. And that's where a will comes into effect because you have to protect them. I'll tell you something I did, Rob. What I did was on a life insurance policy, and I'll change it as they get older, as I get older, God keeps me here. But for right now, my daughter's 18, my son's 16. I put in a life insurance policy that it'll pay them over a 10 year period of time. Why would I give them that kind of money all at one given time? Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm gonna do that too. Yeah, so what that does is now they will get a monthly payment for 10 years. I figure by then she's almost 30. It only gonna take them two years to figure out they're wasting money. So by then they still got eight more years to live off that money in the right, right way. So, right. so all that, putting the tools, talking to them, letting them ask you questions. Because again, why do we wait till we die for the family to have to go crazy and, and yeah. locate the insurance policy? We can't even find it. We don't even know what bank accounts you have. We don't even know what investments. So We're I so scared to kids, approach the conversation about debt and death. That's, that's right. the problem. That, that's right, that's right. So so we, we have real conversations. They ask me, well, dad, well, how much do you have here, Dad? What do you have there? And it's like a lot of times we're, you know, we don't want think our kids should know that, but we we put them in our business and other aspects. So that's while true. We put them in you make a really great, you make a really great point. I mean, we've been, and I'm guilty of this too. You tell them like we're not supposed to ask how much people make, but at the end of the day, they need to know what it takes to get here, what it takes to to understand a budget, and they should be part of the process. I mean, that's a that's a great point that I'm going to take for myself because I haven't done that either. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, that's really great. So I want to get to some as we kind of wrap up. Uh, I want to get to a few what I like to call legacy questions. Uh, what's an important truth you have in your life that many people disagree with you on, but it's a truth to you? Oof. That we can't have everything. And set a, a true leg because you said legacy is a key word. You can't possess everything you want and have a real legacy. And that's and, and I would say you can't have the fancy cars, you can't have the fancy house, you can't take the best vacations, you can't have the fur coats, can't wear the Rolexes, can't have the most expensive clothes, and say you're gonna leave a legacy. Something has to be a priority. If everything is a priority, nothing's a priority. So, so I have to ask myself day to day, you know, and I argue with people about this all the time. They're like, well, Larise, I can have all that. But then I say, the power is not that I can possess it. The power is knowing that I know I can possess it. That's more powerful to me to know that, yeah, you look good shining on that Rolex, but I know I can go to the bank and buy a Rolex, but I don't need to have it to prove to you that I can have it. The power is when your lights get cut off and you don't pay your mortgage because you weren't responsible, then guess what? Somebody has to be the Moses in our family to be able to help people who just fell on hard times. So again, for me, it's I like that power of knowing when people pull up next to me in their Bentley and, and I'm driving an average car that the, I'm not impressed because in my heart, I'm like, that's a nice car. I celebrate that, brother. Man, great. I mean, nice car. But I know that if I want to, I can roll up to the dealership and get right. that as well. But it's just a choice that I don't. So I argue with my sister all the time. She's like, because she she likes it all. She well, wants yeah. a nice house. She wants everything. And I say, and she's like, well, if you make the money, you can afford it. Again, millionaires have million dollar bills. Yeah. So if you're a millionaire. Lifestyle creep. 
Ooh, yep. That's it. That's what happens, right? You want to, you want right. you want to live up to your means, as you said. There's no when you live up to your means. To quote you, there's no margin. And then what happens? You get something like this. You you're over, right? Or you're. I'm gonna give you. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you an example because you brought up a Adrian Peterson. The first thing that most athletes do when they sign their deal, who's the first person they do something for? They buy a house for their mom. Man, they buy a house for their mom. Cash, right? Yep. So let me give you an example. So then they go into the league. They get traded six times throughout their career if they're lucky to stay in the league that long. And they go to different cities and they lease every place they go. They never buy anything. So in an example like Adrian Peterson, if he's the first person he bought a house cash for, where does he end up living when he files bankruptcy? With his mama. With his mama. Oh, Lord. He goes back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he go goes back. back and, and that's most NFL players. And then what happens after that happens, in most cases, within a few years, if you, I, I bet if we did research, we would figure out that the mom then ended up losing the house because now they bought our house too big that was outside of her income bracket. Now they have no money to help her pay the property taxes. Oh, man. Oof. So nobody has any wealth. So now you we've exposed people. Exposure can be good, but it can be dangerous because once you've been exposed to it, now some people can't deal with not being able to touch it again. Oh, so, yeah. So That's probably now, harder. Now, he may never... Oh, yeah, because now he's been exposed to having $100 million, and he may never and more than likely see that type of money again in his life. Yep. So, you know, before I get to my last two questions, part of what Adrian Peterson uh, talked about was the issue was who he chose as financial advisors. Um, how do you go about as an entrepreneur and as a person who's been successful, how do you go about choosing your advisors and your partners? What are your important characteristics there that you look for in people? Yeah. So I'll tell you just now, I bought some more life insurance. What I did was I went to the Department of Insurance. I went to a legal entity that evaluates that person. So what I wanted to do is, as I did this, I wanted to figure out who passed a stress test, who could pass a stress test in a time like that, that could still pay their premiums out. Like it's only three companies um, nationwide that have the ability that have been government tested that they can pass a stress test and pay all their premiums out if this thing, the bottom falls all the way out. One being New York Life, you know, you got companies at that size that have been around for 150 years. Now my cousin and them down the street from me, they got a life insurance place that is a company that's in somebody's garage in Wichita that you don't know as soon as this thing goes belly up, now you pay premiums to something that's not going to exist. Two, uh, what I did was from a from a uh, financial advisor perspective, you can go to Broker Direct and you can look up their history to see. It's like the Better Business Bureau for, for uh, financial advisors to make sure they have the credentials, to make sure they're actually registered. So you want to make sure that, you know, that they actually have what they say they possess. Um, and then two, then from there, once I figure out who's who, then I go off of relationships. So I call a person that I trust their integrity. I touch their lifestyle. So I'll call you, Rob, and be like, hey, Who's a good attorney that I should call? And you're going to tell me who, hey, based on what you're looking for and the area you're looking for, these are the threat, three best people. And then I'll do my homework on the back end to make sure the bar association that they've done all the right things based on the level of what I'm trying to do. So again, using research, using research. That's how I pick who I'm going to do. Some right. people might be like, I don't have time for that. But again, we research, we'll spend on all, 15 minutes on the phone researching what movie theater to go to yeah. to make sure I can make that right movie time. We'll look for, spend all day looking how, you know, we're going to, what restaurant we're going to go to for our date night, but we won't spend a half an hour to figure out if somebody's a reputable, you know, company and I'm going to give my money to the right place. Like, right. come on now. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Two more questions. Um, you have a committee of three that uh, can advise you on business and life. They can be living or dead. Tell me who those three individuals are and why. One, a billionaire. Who? Um, so I'll tell you, I actually have advisors. Okay. One of tell my advisors is Albert Ratner, uh, okay. who's one who's right here in Cleveland. Uh, he, he's an advisor. Then I have David Reynolds, who's the vice president um, of private banking for, um, for uh, KeyBank. And then we have Andrew Jackson, who owns Elson's and Mac Insulation. Okay. Uh, so what I did was I found people and I actually have a fourth and his okay. name is Michael Klein, 
who was actually the managing partner for Tuni and Paniki, which is a, a larger account firm, a middle-sized, mid-market account firm. So what I did was, as I chose them, one, I found somebody from my industry so that I could, you know, utilize them as a resource as I'm developing where I want to go. And I can actually see, you know, not where I'm at, but where I'm going. Two, then I want to be exposed to somebody who has a lot more money than me so then they can help me, you know, to put me in rooms that will expose, they say your network is your net worth. So he can expose me to people that have way more value in different aspects financially that I may never be exposed to. Three, I did not pick the banker because he's used to working for a high net worth clients. So he knows how to navigate different aspects of being an entrepreneur, being a businessman. Uh, and then Andrew is an entrepreneur. So he knows the grind of dealing with labor relations, dealing with, you know, having to fire, hire people, the struggles of the market changing on you and all that. So I try to pick people that truly, you know, embrace me from a business perspective. And I hate to say the last one because I got to add this one. So again, I, I literally have six people that are on my team. I'll say my fifth one is somebody spiritually that I trust, um, that I can call and my pastor and ask questions and say, you know, where is God at on this? Pray for me on this as I make decisions. First and foremost, I'm a Christian man. You know, people know that know me. No, I put God first in everything I do. Um, so I'm able to, you know, make sure that I say, hey, I need your blessing to get this done. What do you feel? Can you pray with me on this? Um, so, and then, um, yeah, that, that's what it did. I have a female that I added to my advisory um, team. That's a six person. Uh, somebody who I've respected. Right. And what I did was I picked someone who knew me as a kid. So when, she, when you hear me out here talking about what I went through, she saw me go through it. So she remembers my life and my challenges and the barriers I overcame. So now when, when Fox 8 wants to interview somebody about me, the advisors know me now. She knows me then. So she, she's the person I tell them to call that can tell you the real facts of who I am and the consistency of who Larice Purnell is. So she's that person. And she gives me that female perspective to say, is everything always about me? You know, she keeps me, you know, balanced from that perspective. Uh, but, but she knows my heart truly since, since I was a child. So, so that, yeah, that, that's me. No, that's good. Final question. You have a billboard uh, or you can make it a Google ad to be 2020. And it's a saying that, it, that really, it, it captures what you believe or your essence. What is that saying and why? Ooh, ooh. I'm gonna make you send questions beforehand next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I like people to think it in the moment. I like, look, I like look, to be in the moment. No, that, I mean, that's good. I, I would say, uh, Rob, you know, um, I'm all about financial literacy. I'm all about people building wealth. Um, what I would do is I would have a billboard that would show uh, a gamut of people. I know a billboard is only so big, so you can only put so many people, but I would put a doctor on there. I would put a street guy on there. I would put a barber on there. I would put a restaurant owner on there. I would put a multitude of people from our community who would properly fit. And then I would talk about, you know, building assets and wealth. That's the new hashtag, wealth movement. Uh, so that people in the community would one, see themselves, so they would say, oh, I know him. That's, that's Pookie and Ray Ray. So he, uh, that, that's my cousin in them. So, oh, he on there, he must take it serious. Oh, that's my barber. So barber's taking this serious. Oh, that's that restaurant I love in town. Oh, that's that famous doctor that's always on the yeah. radio. So now what it would do is it would encompass everybody and make them feel like they can be a part of something and it could be their reality. Yeah. But I would also stay consistent. I would say tell people consistency is one of the best things you can be is being consistent. People in this community know that I teach them about building wealth and building assets. So within that, from a graphical perspective, I could see the people, I could see homes and commercial businesses, almost like a black Wall Street behind them, where, yeah. where they see that this is not a moment, but it's a movement. Yeah. Um, and, and this wealth building thing we're talking about is something that can change our communities forever, so. Hey, amen. And we're gonna we're gonna talk more about this too. And and um, I am having a conference this year in Cincinnati. 
working in Columbus and we want to work in Cleveland. So let, let, let's actually talk more about that. Please. But the end where you, it's in where you just did, you know, I would say what you're talking about is making sure that as black people in particular, we recognize our value. Black folks start trends, uh, but we, but we, but we rarely get monetized for that Monet recognizing and monetizing our value. Money certainly flows through us, but it doesn't flow to us. And that we got to change that direction to make sure it starts flowing to us, not just through us. You know, nearly every trend in Hollywood and nearly every trend started with black and brown people. Now it's time to make sure that we actually get paid for the value, not just have the value go through us. So Maurice Purnell, thank you for all you do. Make sure that you send me all your links to uh, all your businesses. I want to make sure the name of your restaurant is Black Fox, was it Black Fix. Fox Finn? Black Fox Finn, right? Fix. And then CLE Consulting and all that stuff. I want to make sure people support you. You still have, you guys are delivering, right? So you guys still open oh, for yeah. Oh, uh, we're so we're so open for. Business. I wish you were in Cincinnati. I'd order you, brother. So, oh, uh, yeah. hey, look, we're gonna actually tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna be feeding 500 seniors throughout our community. So we're still out in, in here being safe, uh, you know, using proper precautions. But we also understand, like God protects people in a war; He'll protect His people because somebody has to go out and do the work even in times like this so all right look i appreciate your time don't make don't make yourself a stranger we're gonna have another show because i think we had a good discussion here let's let's uh you know don't make yourself a stranger let's do it again in the future brother okay good Thanks, talk to you man